0: So today's the 19th, um, so we are going to make a quick drive by Proverbs 19. And I picked verse 11 today. If you are sensible, you will control your temper. When someone wrongs you, it's a great virtue to ignore it. Well, that's hard to do sometimes, but that's a great virtue. So, um, as we start today on a new series, I want to just, before I start in in, in on the message, I want to say to you about sermon topics in general. I want you to know I pray these things through and I don't just decide to do things because it strikes me or because my wife does something that irritates me, so I'm going to preach to her for four (laughs) weeks. That doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, I preach all the time at home to her, but not ever (laughs) on Sundays. So, um, I mean, sometimes the topics might seem like, oh, well, that's not really for me. Um, I, I, I get, I, I get kind of concerned about that sometimes on Mother's Day and Father's Day. Well, if I preach about mothering on Mother's Day, there will be women here. That breaks their hearts because they want to be a mother and they can't or whatever. Or Father's Day, the same. I'm going to start a new series on uh, marriage. It's going to be in the context of marriage, and many of you are not married Some of you um, never will be. Many of you want to be. But I want to say this about the words that you're going to hear. I believe that this will be relevant to you, whether you are married, whether you are single and planning to be married, whether you are single by design, whether you are single and you don't want to be single. I believe that the Lord will be, be speaking with relevance to you. And so I just encourage you, church, that when you come to church that you don't have an expectation that somehow the words that you hear f- from me or whoever might be leading would um, be appealing to you. You need to be mature enough that, to expect that if the word of God is being preached, the Holy Spirit's going to be circulating among it, and there's going to be something in there good for you if you're available to it. I know that there will be, so I just thought I'd mention that because we're going to be, uh, I'm just starting this series. And so whether you're married or you're single or you're engaged or you're whatever, whatever your circumstance, I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you in, in the word of God today. And so today we do start a brand new series and the title of the series I'm calling From This Day Forward from this day forward. A catchy phrase. And um, I I really believe that um, over this time, we're going to find some tools that will help people have a godly marriage. And for those who are married, I really believe that if you will make these five commitments and keep them, I believe that you can failure-proof your marriage. I really believe that. Pretty audacious thing. So I want to ask a question. Maybe I'll start with the ladies first. When you were a little girl... You, how many of you someday you dreamed that you would get married, there would be this perfect wedding, you'd have the perfect man and he would carry you across the threshold and maybe even, maybe even someday you'd have children and you named them even before you ever met the guy. Any ladies ever dream like that? Wow. Okay. Any of you guys ever dream that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Glad not to see any hands like that. No, men dream a little differently. You know, you, you did think about this, so you, but, but your viewpoint was someday I'm going to hunt for, I'm going to pursue, and I'm going to bag me a wife and enj- enjoy all the fruits of marriage guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now no hands on this one, please. You'll only cause yourself grief if you raise your hand on this next one, but you can raise it in your heart and be honest with yourself. How many of you are still dreaming? Some of us are still dreaming, going, you know, when does all this happen? I mean, some of us have been in a marriage, and it's been everything but good. Or you've yet to find a marriage, and you've been let down, and you've been hurt. There's been pain, and disappointment, and anger, and maybe even divorce. In fact, I think so many people in our culture have been wounded, and it's been in the context of marriage, that a lot of people just wonder Is it really possible to have a really good marriage? Is it really possible to have a great marriage? And I think that's a great question. And I want to say right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I want to say as emphatically as I can, the answer is yes. The answer to that is yes. But I also want to say that it's not likely. If you do, what everybody else does. If you do what everybody else is doing, you're going to probably get the results that everybody else gets. You're going to get those results. A great marriage is possible, but not likely. It's not even probable if you do what everybody else is doing. Because if you look at just the statistics, they're pretty scary. About 50% of marriages in America don't make it. About half. The younger you are when you get started, the worse your odds get. So if you'll all wait until you're 87 to get married, your best chance. There is another approach. We'll talk about that. Of the 50% that make it, some fraction of them aren't happy. You know people probably that are in marriages and they're struggling and they want to be happy but they just don't know how to make it work and so they're struggling and there, are, you probably might even know people that say the only reason we're still together is because of those kids. We're staying together for this. I mean, so 50% don't make it and of the 50 that do, there's some chunk that aren't happy. It Just the odds are not good for having a great marriage especially if you do what everybody else is doing. I mean, 50-50, that's just not too good. I mean, you know, what other I mean, think this way. what other significant area of your life are you willing to go 50-50? Yeah, I'll take that. That's good. I mean, if I said to you, "Hey, the breakfast cereal that is your favorite that you eat every day, you got a 50-50 chance that that particular cereal is going to give you cancer." I'll bet you tomorrow you'd start on a new cereal. <laughs> 50-50 is not good enough to risk your life. You wouldn't accept it on that. Or let's just say that, you know, The few dollars that you've been able to scrape up and stick away in savings that you're depending on for something someday, 50-50 chance that this week the bank that's holding that money is going to go toes under and you're going to lose all your money, I'd say the chances are tomorrow morning at opening you get your money out and move it someplace safe. You wouldn't accept 50-50 on that either. Or if I said to you tomorrow morning, when you get up and you walk out the front door of your house, you're going to be attacked by a herd of thumb-evolving monster cats and they're going to kill you you'll probably go out the back door instead of the front you won't go with those 50-50 odds <laughs> yet in our crazy world you know no, there's no there's no place where people would accept a 50-50 odds in, in in their lives by choice but you know that you can go out and you have to take a test and a class to get a driving a learner's permit but you don't have to do that to get married. All you got to do is show up at the county courthouse and spend about as much money as you would going out to dinner at Outback. And they'll give you a marriage certificate, a marriage license. It's kind of crazy. So if you're not married yet, I pray that you'll do things differently than the world does them. I mean, I mean, I, I pray because when you stand at the altar, it's not that you're making some sort of a legal agreement. You're making a spiritual commitment with a holy God. And I think that we're asking God to be involved and to help us succeed and to find the kind of marriage that he wants for us to have, which is really, really good. Now, maybe some of you did already do this, and maybe some of you um, said some vows like I did to Lisa, and you know they would go something like this, I, Terry, take you, Lisa, to have and to hold from this day forward. Good. Everybody, from this day forward. Right, that's great. Those are great words. And I love that line because it's almost like you get to start clean slate. From this day forward. Okay, there's stuff back here. Not happy about it. I own it. We own it. There trouble. Maybe we'll have to deal with some of it. But from this day forward, clean slate. Let's start fresh. Let's start fresh here. There's something hopeful about standing at the altar and starting fresh. And, you know, and and... and Asking God, God, would you help us, hold us accountable, do whatever you do, your thing, God, to help us to rise to what it is for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Got something in my eye. <laughs> forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. So help me, God. And the problem is that people say, so help me, God. And they they say that like it's a declaration. So help me, God. When they need to say, so help me, God. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Have you been married at any time at all? You know that's what you should have said. So help me, God. And so, okay, today I'm going to just go over with you these five commitments that I'm going to encourage and cajole you to, to make over the next season and um, so if you're taking notes, and I'm just going to scan over these right now. Here's what we're going to do. Week one today, we're going to seek God. That's the first commitment that we're going to make is we're going to seek God. N- next week, uh, we're going to talk about and make the commitment to fight fair. That'll be interesting. We'll talk about putting a line down the middle of your house. Cougars on one side, huskies on the other. We might not talk about that. Um, the week after that, or, uh, we'll be talking about having fun. Now that one, that one might move into the PG category, but come on, come to that. It'll be okay. Have fun. The next week after that, the the fourth week, we'll be talking about commitment to stay pure. And then we're going to finally declare that we will never give up. So leave those up for a second. Would you read those out loud with me just in order? Uh, Let's all do it together. Seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never give up. The guys want to go right straight to number three. <laughs> I think the girls do too. They just won't admit it. So those are, those, that's kind of where we're headed over the next time. And I, I just want to today hopefully drive home this truth that that um, to seek God, if, if you want to fail-proof your marriage, the first thing you'll need to do is seek God. The problem is that We aren't, most people aren't really seeking God before they're married. They're seeking a spouse. There's a big difference. So they seek a spouse. We're seeking that perfect someone that is that person that's going to meet all of our needs because everybody knows that you can't really be happy until you find the one. That one, right? We've talked about that before here. I mean, so a guy sees a girl and she goes, oh, she's so pretty and she smells so much better than those guys. And, and she's passionate about life and everything she does makes me twinkle. Oh, she's the one. I hear, like, I hear a lot of guys talking that way. You know, you know the guys I hang out with. So, or the girl says, oh, he's so sweet. He's so thoughtful. He's so strong. Oh. Because what people really believe is that to be fulfilled in life, you have to find the one. I would love someday to have somebody say to me, you know, oh, I met someone. He's so godly. He's so awesome. We've got so much fun together. There's just, just a, this bond. I think I finally met my two. I'm just waiting for the day that somebody says that to me. Because culture teaches us something that's true. To be really fulfilled in life, you do have to find the one. The problem is, another person is not the one. They're not. If you're taking notes, this is something worth writing down. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. You know, it's a most... It's, it's, it's a really important foundational principle for us that for having any relationship to last, God is your one. Any relationship, if you want it to last, God needs to be your one. When Jesus was asked the question, um, what's the most important commandment? What he didn't say is pretty revealing. Um, you know, he, he didn't say love your spouse with all your mind and all your soul and all your heart and all your strength. Here's, here's, when he was asked that question, What's the most important commandment? He essentially said, God is your one. So let's, let's see what he said. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God, your one, and your spouse is your number two. So let me talk just for a minute to, to a couple of groups of people. I want to start with you first that are not married, but maybe you'd like to be married someday. Here's what I pray will be the driving force in your life if you hope to be married one day. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. You know, that is such good preaching. Don't you realize that's such good preaching? I need. I guess I have to amen that myself. I I will seek the one while I'm preparing for the two. Good preaching, Terry. Amen. Thank you very much. That's good. Okay. It's too quiet in here. Okay. No, when we're, you know, what we're going to do when we're not married, what we need to be doing when we're not married above anything else is we want to honor God and we want to love God and we want to, we just want to seek him. We want to know him and we want to please him and we want to live by God's spirit. We're not, we're not seeking a spouse. We're seeking first God and his kingdom. And then when you do that, There's a promise that kicks in, and you'll see that in Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. It's a promise. Seek God first, his kingdom, and his righteousness. Then all the stuff you're asking for, well, not necessarily all the stuff you're asking for, But all these things will be added. You want a happy marriage? You want to live a, a relationship with a great friend that you can walk with and enjoy life with and will help you sort things out? And the problem and the challenge in our culture is that even a lot of people who call themselves Christians decide to wait. They don't see God first. They, 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 you know. I, I know people who do the God thing later. They're going to do the God thing later. They're just going to do the God thing later. I think that's incredibly common and incredibly dangerous. Um, you know, so but I mean I, I, I've i I've talked to people sometimes and they say, Well, I'm I'm gonna get married and I know the God thing's important and I love God and all, but I'm gonna deal with that later. I think at uh, first I'm gonna have some fun and you know, I I'm gonna go go do the club thing and maybe I'm gonna try out a few different people and um they're saying, "I'm I'm going to live an ungodly not life now, but um, I'm planning later. I'll get back down to business with God." That is so dangerous. It's just such so dangerous. I, I heard this story by um, the that, that pastor that I listened to. I listen I listened to other pastors because I don't like to listen to myself. <laughs> um, and uh, one of them, one of them is a guy named Andy Stanley. You might have heard of him or his father. Pretty big ministry down in the south. And he told this story one time about this this family relationship, this situation. That he had heard, about there was this young girl who was um, a very committed Christian and godly girl, and she was heading off to college. and she, she started to do what a lot of college students do. And, and that is the first thing is she gave into some peer pressure and, and started doing the partying thing and, and, um, and the alcohol kind of turned into other drugs that were going on. And, and from there, it just went downhill, and she went from guy to guy to guy to guy. And she fell into a lifestyle that was really destructive and sinful. And um, in the back of her mind, she was thinking, you know, but I still believe in God, and um, I still want to have a godly man and have a godly marriage, and and I'm, you know, I'll get my act together when the right guy comes along. That was kind of her attitude. She was going to do these things, and and uh, one day a guy does come along, and and she met him, and he was pretty much everything she'd hoped for. He was, you know, godly. He was a terrific leader. He was making a difference in people's lives around him. He was discipling other people. He had a great career in front of him. And so she, she's, she's home and she says to her mom, hey mom, I'm so excited I met this guy. He's perfect. I think he's going to be the one. I'm going to make myself available to this guy. And her mother had this impossibly difficult conversation with her daughter where she needed to speak the truth and love to her and say, you know, honey, sweetheart, you need to know that a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. Oh, I heard that story the first time. It was like a gut punch. I can't imagine having to say something like that to one of my children. Because as parents, we just want our children to know we believe in them. We just want them to know we love them. In fact, we'll love them no matter what, sometimes to the detriment of telling them the truth. Because there is a truth in this that you know that like people attract other like people, and someone who has decided standards are important are gonna be looking for people who have high standards. So here's some great advice if you know if you ever want to to if you ever hope to have a godly marriage one day, live a godly life today. If you hope someday to have a godly marriage, start living a godly life right now. Right now, from this day forward, seek God today. Become the kind of person that you'd like to marry. Become the kind of person that you'd like to marry. If you want to marry someone who's had, you know, this, is, this sounds so terse. I don't mean for it to be. But if you want to marry someone who's had 18 different sexual partners over the years and you don't know if they'll be faithful to you, then do what everybody else does and you'll get the results that everybody else gets. That's direct talk from your pastor. Sorry about that. I mean, it's the truth. It's okay, right? Can you handle the truth? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to talk now to the already married folks, um, those of us here who are already married. And here's what our commitment would be. I will always seek the one with my two. Seek the one with my two. Would you all re- say that out loud together with me? I will always seek the one with my two. Here's why this, this is really important. Our marriages are never going to be what God hoped for them to be unless he is the one and our spouse is the two. They just qu- can't quite get there. I mean, there's an awful lot of ways that we can get that mixed up. We, we sometimes try to make our spouse the one. and Oh, you're so everything. I mean, you are, honey. <laughs> everything. You are. Um, but it just doesn't work. God's the one, our spouse is the two. When we try to put our spouse or or sometimes a boyfriend or a girlfriend or our children as the one, we're actually idolizing them in a form and in a manner. We're idolizing them and, you know, saying, oh, you're going to make me so happy. And, and, uh, you know, some people do this with a career. They make their career the number one and God the number two. By doing that, we put all kinds of pressure on someone to produce and to perform and to be something they were never engineered by God to ever be in the first place. They can't succeed. And so then we get into this horrible dilemma. First, we idolize them, you know, and then they let us down because they always will because we're dealing with people. We're dealing with sinners who will fail us. You know, I'm not saying dig a hole and bury yourself in the ground, things oh woe is me. I'm just saying that if you put all of your hope in a person, the time will come when they will fail you because they're imperfect. It's impossible. It's impossible for them to be. So first, we idolize them. And then we demonize them, you know. You're not doing the things that you're supposed to do. You, you know, you're not doing this. You're not meeting my needs. You know, you 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 probably know the drill, okay? You know, guys. She's so organized. She's so driven. She's so passionate. Oh, she's the one. You know. Then you get married for a while. You're a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> you drive me crazy. Nag, 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 nag. Idolize, demonize. Okay, ladies, you get to have a turn enjoying this too. You know. He's a leader. He's so sensitive. He comforts me. He's thoughtful. He's my one. And then you're married for a while. You're a bump on the log. Get up and do something. You're always wanting to control everything that I do. You control all the money. You're playing video games all day long. You know It goes, we idolize, then we demonize. We do. We do. We seek. So what we're going to do is we're going to seek the one with the two. We're continuing to seek God with our spouse. So how do we seek God? I thought a lot about this part of the message, and uh, you know, I developed a big, long list of things that we could do, and uh, I'll show you that list in a minute, but then I decided to go a different way. and um, I'll, Well, let me just show you the list. Uh, so these are very practical and spiritual, and they're just going to all come up one, you know, one at a time. Now, one way would be to seek God together in his word. Um, reading the word of God is important. That's a good thing to do. Another thing would be by worshiping in church together. I commend you. Way to go. You're here. Um, another one would be to make friendships with other Christians, people who could influence your life and help help you grow spiritually. That's been a significantly important part of our lives, Lisa's and mine. To have other Christian friends that can slap you around, when, I don't, literally. <laughs> but I need to have guys that say, Terry, grab me by the jowls and look me in the eye and say, You're not going to do that anymore. That's stupid. you knock it off. And, and, and vice versa. I need friends. They need me. I mean, okay, so Christian friends. Another way is to serve together in church. And I don't say that so that you'll be doing things here. That's actually good for you to serve together. We need people for the VBS, but that's not the best part about it. When you serve kids and you do it with your spouse, I tell you what, your marriage is going to get better. Your friendship with your, with your spouse will get better. You'll build other relationships. It's just good for you to serve. Leading your children towards spiritual issues. That's a great thing to do as a couple. Other spiritual traditions. It's a great list. It's a wonderful list. But I figured after going through and hacking, hacking out, you know, working on lists, I started thinking, you know, if I give everybody 10 things to do, you know how many you'll probably do? None. It's too many. It's too much. And so I have decided to do is talk about just one simple thing today. And um, and I believe that that you can develop this particular spiritual habit, and um, in order to seek God. Now I was reading this book by this guy named Charles Duhigg, and it's called The Power of Habit. Power of Habit, and uh, in this book he talks about something that he calls Keystone Habits. Keystone Habits. Okay, so there are certain habits that we can you know create that, that when we do them they create forward positive momentum in our lives. And there are certain habits that if you don't do them, failing to do them creates negative momentum in your life. That might be, you know, I mean, researchers, here's a couple of examples where they've, where they've studied this. Um, researchers have these keystone habits. So exercise. Exercise leads to better diet, leads to less smoking, and get this, it also leads to less impulsive money spending. Exercise, less money spending. Wow, I didn't see the connection, but okay, if you say there's a nexus, I'll go with it. Here's another one. Families that eat together. The children tend to behave better, they have more confidence, and they do better academically by eating together. You're going to eat anyway. Do it together. Your kids are going to get better grades. Wow, that's kind of wild. Here's another one for people that are trying to lose weight. and This was a study of obese people who keep a food journal One day a week, when they compared the people that kept the food, here's what I ate today and wrote down everything they ate for that day. They keep it one day a week. Those people lost twice as much weight as the people who didn't journal. Great, great keystone habit. I mean, I have a perfect example of one for me in my life. Please don't ask me about this, okay? Don't come up after church and and, and, and challenge me on this because it's private. I don't even want to tell you, okay? But here's my keystone habit, flossing. Right? Because, <laughs> because, you know, just, just, Terry, don't quit flossing because if I quit flossing, then I change the way I eat and I change the way I exercise. It goes on and on. I mean, it's the first discipline. I, I, I stop exercising and then, you know, that one discipline for me triggers other positive disciplines or failing to do that one triggers other negative ones. I mean, so when I do floss, I eat, Right? I exercise, I sleep better, I wake up refreshed, I'm a better husband, I'm more productive at work, I write shorter sermons, (laughs) but if I don't floss, I don't eat right, I don't exercise, I gain a little weight. I'm in the store and some guy says, hey, are you gaining weight? I get angry. I hit him. (laughs) He calls the cops that come after me. I'm on the lam. I end up in Alcatraz. Because why? I stopped flossing. Maybe I've exaggerated a bit. But you get the point. There are some habits that we do that that are keystone habits, and they produce forward positive momentum in our lives. And not doing them creates negative momentum in our lives. And so the keystone habit that I want to ask you to jump in on is very simple, and that's this. Pray together every day. Sounds simple to me, but I'm challenging. Pray together. You know. Now, I think there's probably more than a couple of wives here that are maybe giddy, oh, good, he's finally going to pray with me because Pastor Terry's pushing it. And the husbands are going, oh, I don't want to pray. I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. We're going to talk about all of that in just a minute or two. Um, but I just want to say that praying together is a very intimate thing. It's intimate, and it's bonding, and um, it's, it's, it just brings you closer in a lot of really, really good ways. And, you know, to, to, when, especially when what you're doing is you're petitioning the one who brought you together. You petition Him about whatever the issues are in your life, whatever that's on your heart. It is. It, it, it is. And here's 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 a promise from Second Chronicles, chapter seven. If my people who are called by my name, he's specifically talking about Christians, my people who are called by my name, Christ's name are Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I really believe that we could probably take a little license and loosely translate that and say, then will I heal their marriages. I really believe that. I am... I invited Lisa to participate with with me in this, and I started thinking when, as I was working on this sermon series, which, for months ago, you know, we're right on Rachel's due date, and I had no idea whether she'd be in church with me, so um, I decided to record it. So I asked Lisa to participate with me, and so we have this video. So, honey, what are some of the ways you and I have learned to pray together?
1: Um, we have routine ways. We pray before bedtime, before meals before the kids would go off to school we'd pray for them. Then we have non-traditional ways where uh, we'd be driving in the car and you will remind me of something or I would mention something to you di- you didn't know about. Uh, walking, we go for walks and we'll pray just popcorn prayers, which is our term for just short little blips. Um, then we also text each other and email each other. I pray for you, you pray for me every day. And even though we may not be physically together, we're spiritually together.
0: So, honey, what would you say are the benefits of praying together for our marriage?
1: It bonds us together. It keeps us united, um, keeps us from fighting, unites our hearts. The focus is off of ourselves and uh, more onto each other and with the Lord. And then we feel closer together. And then there's a cycle where um, we pray together. He hears us, He answers us, and then um, it builds our faith.
0: And around it goes again.
1: And around it goes again.
0: So if a couple is just learning to pray, and they've never prayed together before, and so maybe they feel a little awkward about it, what kind of practical advice could you give them about how to get started and maybe how
1: to pray? I would say keep it simple. Be specific. Short and sweet. Um, Have faith that God is hearing you and He knows your heart, and don't be legalistic about it. If you miss a day, it's okay. Um, Be authentic in your style, and uh, allow the other person the same. Be yourself. Don't try to pray um, the way, I I don't want to pray the way you do, you don't want to pray the way I do, that's not authentic. So pray your heart.
0: Thanks for showing up, honey. I can hardly wait to hear what you have next time about Fighting Fair. It'll be really good. So, I mean, I want to highlight one thing that Lisa mentioned, and that's this, is that just start, just start, and because, because you can do it. It's, it's not as hard as you think. And I, I do want to just for a minute acknowledge that there are some complications here. Some of you are married to someone who's not a believer and there's just there's no way in the world that the two of you are going to pray together. And um, I, I, I realize that. I, I realize there's some challenges. But you should pray for your spouse and I'm sure you do already. Um, I just really believe that we have an enemy. His name is Satan. and He does not want you to pray together. He does not want husband and wife to pray together. He wants you to do what everybody else does because then the odds are way in his favor to destroy your marriage. You know, it could be that you just start with the traditional, you know, start by praying over a meal. Lord, thank you. That's it. If that's three words, Lord, we, four words, we thank you. That's a start. Another simple, you know, start your day with a very simple prayer. Lord, would you just bless Lisa today? If that's what you can muster together, you do it. Lord, I ask you to bless and protect my wife today and vice versa. She can say the same thing. I mean, start simple and you can build. I mean, we have lots of ideas about this. You can actually start writing things down as the Lord gives you something. Put it down on a sheet, piece of paper and then when the two of you say, hey, here's some things we should talk to God about. you've got Now you've got a list. You Now you know what to say. Hey, I got this friend and he's got pneumonia. Lord, he just needs strength and his job they won't give him time off would you provide for him would you help him it's that simple a a simple list you can pray for your children You can pray for wisdom in making decisions you have friends that have needs you can just keep this prayer list or here's another thing that we do and she mentioned is we can text you can text god can actually read your text messages right you know I mean, every once in a while, I'll just get this out of the blue text. I'm not expecting it. Hey, I'm praying for you to have a great time studying today. And I just feel so loved and cared for because we've prayed together. We're in agreement. It might have been weird because it's a non-traditional form of prayer. But that's a husband and wife agreeing together in prayer on a text message. You can do that. It's not illegal. Okay? You can do that. Yeah, don't drive. Thank you. Yeah, don't do it while you're driving. That's the fine print in the sermon. Don't do any of this stuff while you're driving. And um, so you can do that. And and, and as you pray together, it creates some spiritual intimacy. And I really believe it's a keystone habit. And, um, you know, the keystone habit there that's good is positive for you. A couple who, you know, regularly prays together is more likely to go to church together. In a church, the, the couple that goes to church together more frequently, they're going to grow in their faith in the Lord together. And as they grow in their faith in the Lord, they're going to serve him together. And in those serving, they're going to see things produced through them that they never knew. It's just a keystone habit that produces good things, and it's positive. So you're seeking God together, and you have that cycle going, and it builds your faith. Another thing that I heard you chuckle when she said is this. It's hard to fight with someone when you're praying with them. It's really hard to get into a fight with someone when you pray with them regularly. It's, it's really hard to have an affair when you're praying with your spouse regularly. It's really hard to have a divorce when you're praying with someone all the time. It's hard to do that. Those, you're being pulled a completely different direction from those things. And now some of you are thinking, you know, come on, Terry, this is just too much, too hard, too hard to do this. It's scary. And I say, okay, well, the alternative are those 50-50 odds. You can do what everybody else is doing and take the chance. Or you could say, you know, fooey on those odds and get crazy spiritual, get crazy spiritual and say, so help us, God. That's a prayer. So help us. You can repeat your wedding vows. So help us, God. That's your prayer. You can do that. Here's some interesting stats from a group called the Family Life. Um, Family Life they, they surveyed thousands of Christians who are married, married couples, and they found that fewer than 8% of them actually pray together. But catch this. Of those who pray together regularly, less than 1% divorced. Less than 1%. So there's your odds. 50-50 or 99 plus better percent of a successful marriage. Matthew 6.33, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. So seek God first. Now, I, you know, I know there are some object- objections in our minds. Well, we don't do that. Hey, from this day forward. But we really don't like each other right now. Fine. From this day forward. Well, we don't know how to do it. Okay, we've given you some ideas. Do it anyway, from this day forward. <laughs> but I'm uncomfortable. Get over it. From this day forward. Oh, Pastor Terry has no compassion today. Yeah, I got lots of compassion for you. That's why I'm telling you the truth. So what I would ask you to do is just once a day, minimum. Grab hands with your two and never stop seeking the one. Because I believe that when you hear, you know, when, when He will hear your prayers and He'll transform your marriage into everything that He wants it to be. Now, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that your Holy Spirit would do something of a work in all of our hearts. God, for those who are not yet married but hope to be one day, I pray. That they would fall in love with you, with seeking after you their one as you prepare them for their two, and for those who are married, Lord, I pray that we would commit and always seek the one seek you God, with our two now church while we're while we have our eyes closed and as I pray and as your as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I don't care if you're old or young or married or not married it doesn't matter i I just if 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 you are just right now in feeling like maybe you haven't been seeking the one the way you should in prayer and you just today want to get that right side up with the Lord and maybe recommit to the Lord to be a person of prayer from this day forward. I just ask you to signal that to God in some way and you can do it however you want. You can lift your hand, you can tell him in your heart, you can be private, I don't care. I just would just say, Lord, just send him some sort of signal saying, God, I really want to do this. I really want to be closer to you. If you're married and maybe you've never prayed together, and the thought of praying together scares you to death but you recognize that you really need the help of God I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to seek God in prayer too and so if you're if you're married and you're going to, going to if you're going to try to make this commitment I ask you to really be serious about it right now and if you're sitting with the person grab their hand and just you know touch them or signal to them that you're going to try or if you can do that do that I, I just would say that and I would just say praise God for you and and, and so, Lord, Lord, I just pray over the next several weeks of this series that you would do miracles where there's very little hope in some cases or even no hope, Lord God. I pray that we'd realize that with you all things are possible. We put our marriages before you and we say, so help us, God. We need your help. We believe, God, that a great marriage is possible if we continue to seek after you. While we're praying, I know that there could be some here who are thinking you know the way that that you're doing your life and the way you know that you're living god's not your one right now and maybe you even believe in god but he's not your one he wants to be he loves you so much that he sent his son jesus to become sin for us to die on the cross for our sins to be raised from the dead because our sins separate us from god and we're bent away from god and that's just what sin does to us we're sinners by nature and we need forgiveness because, and because of what Jesus did, every one of those sins can be forgiven. Anything, everything we've ever done, forgiven by God and, and, and the Lord that we can be new. Thank you for that. If, if you're hearing those words and the Holy Spirit is pushing and massaging that into your spirit about the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you invest your life, you know, right now, if you would, if you would say, he's, he's really not my one, he's not my Lord, but from this day forward, um, and you know the Spirit of God is calling you, I can make you this promise that if you open your heart to Jesus, he will be your Lord. He'll be your Savior. So from this day forward, you can call on him and give him your life. That You want to be saved by him and forgiven by him. Now, everybody's eyes are closed right now, and it's really quiet in this room, but if you would say, he hasn't been my one, but from this day forward, I want to make him my one. I want to give my life to him. Would you just let me just look up at me and let me just agree with you in prayer? Or right, let me see your hand. Okay, okay, okay. So Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for the faith in this room. I want to thank you, Lord, for the love in this room and that your intention is always not to have control over us earthlings, but instead it's to have relationship with your kids. It's to have relationship. So Lord, we open ourselves to it. We are grateful, Lord, such a loving God can be our one. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen.